The first cranial nerve has in recent history been downplayed in terms of importance and complexity in humans. I've attended conferences where the sense of smell has been termed the forgotten sense, with comparatively little research in the field. That of course all changed at the end of 2019 when the COVID-19 virus began leaving large numbers of people with a reduced sense of smell or hyposmia. People subsequently began realising how important your smell is for your quality of life. As Counting Crows once prophesied, you don't know what you've got until it's gone. Today let's discuss the anatomy of the olfactory nerve, its location, function and some other examples of why the sense of smell should be an important factor to any clinician or anatomist. Have you ever stopped to wonder, why do I smell? Or rather, why do I have a sense of smell? Well, your sense of smell is an ancient evolutionary remnant that has a critical physiological role in humans. And don't let some sources tell you that a human sense of smell is poor, because it's really not. Studies have found we can detect around one trillion different scents, and comparisons between us and other non-human animal counterparts have even found we're actually better at detecting some odours than our animal brethren. But why? Safety first then, an order can alert you to a potential danger in your environment, such as a toxic gas leak or even spoilt food. Smell also has a key and somewhat accumulative part in the taste of food, and this is important. Many studies have concluded the term flavour should really be reserved for the collective experience of taste and smell of an ingested substance. As such, olfaction is vital for the enjoyment you experience when eating and drinking, with links also stretch into one's very own psychological well-being. And never has this been so evident that now so many people have lost their sense of smell. But what is your sense of smell and how do we do it? Your sense of smell is also called olfaction, with the nose being the organ of olfaction. When you take a big breath in through your nostrils, small particles and chemicals in the inspired air land on the moist nasal mucosa. The mucosa consists of olfactory epithelium and contains millions of chemoreceptors. Certain pungent chemicals stimulate this nasal lining and in doing so stimulate the small connected olfactory sensory neurons. Signals from these neurons then travel to the brain via the nerve of olfaction, which is sensibly called the olfactory nerve or cranial nerve 1 to put it into context with the others. And in an elaborately complex manner, your brain interprets the whiff of what you just breathed in. Whether the substance smells nice, offensive, or like the first rain after a sunny period depends on the chemicals inspired and largely subjective varying massively between people. This is a grossly simplified version of events, but you get the gist. We cover anatomy in these podcasts and not so much physiology, so we'll leave that to someone else for another time. A deeper dive into the anatomy then. Let's map the root of the big nerve that makes all this possible. Your olfactory nerve is the only cranial nerve that connects directly to the cerebrum and not the brainstem like the others. As such, it is probably the easiest one to spot on the underside of the brain, as your right and left olfactory nerves jut out anteriorly from the ventral surface. I cannot help compare these two nerves to the antenna of a moth or an insect. And interestingly, moths use their antenna in part to smell the world around them. At the ends of our antenna, then, are swellings of neural tissue called olfactory bulbs, and these have lots of smaller nerve fibres that pass inferiorly through the skull and into the superior aspect of the nasal cavity below. These fibres are called olfactory filaments, and they are extremely delicate and prone to damage. 
The bone they pass through is called the ethmoid bone, and the specific part of this bone they are housed in is called the cribriform plate, with cribriform translating to sieve loosely, as the bone is laden with small holes just like the kitchen utensil. These filaments then connect to the respiratory epithelium we mentioned earlier, and the chain is complete. To summarise from anterior to posterior then, olfactory epithelium, olfactory filaments connecting to the olfactory bulb, then passing down the olfactory nerve and into the brain or cerebrum. Now the olfactory nerve is connected to many areas in the cerebrum, and one close relation you may relate to is the area of the brain responsible for memory. How many times has a certain smell reminded you of a time, place or person you once knew? You can imagine it is of particular importance to remember the smell of a food that once made you sick, so as not to eat it again. A contemporary application of this is rather interesting. Some students choose to use a distinct perfume while studying for exams, and then the same perfume on exam day to potentially improve recall by hacking this olfactory and memory pathway. While some studies in the literature support this idea, further research is needed on the topic and on sense of smell in general, to be honest. Some clinical bits and bobs to finish off then. We have already mentioned a reduced sense of smell is called hyposmia, and this can be caused by anything that reduces airflow through the nasal cavity. This is most commonly seen when you suffer a blocked nose in a common cold. Anosmia is the term used to describe a complete loss of olfaction, and this may result from olfactory nerve damage, such as in trauma, or probably more prevalent recently due to a viral infection. And finally, the term used to describe a persistent offensive smell with no obvious external stimulus is cacosmia. Yes, you hear that correctly, cacosmia. This can be caused by many conditions, but it's classically described in nasal cancers or base of skull tumours, both of which are thankfully very rare. So, the sense of smell, the forgotten sense, having somewhat of a renaissance in recent years, but with still a lot of research to be done to explore its true wonders. Some very cool anatomy for you to pick out there, and an area we may revisit in the future, as so far we have really only scratched the surface. Thanks a lot for listening, and catch you next time on Dissectable Meat.